All right, we'll go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. When I first started studying this uh, for this message, I was wanting to preach on one of these passages. And, um, you know, you learn new stuff all the time, I guess. And kind of what I've always thought about this one verse is I got to reading some other passages with some very similar words in there, I realized, you know, I don't think I was interpreting that exactly right. And when I finally understood what that verse was saying, I thought, man, this would actually make a great Mother's Day message. And uh, and hopefully I can get this across to you today. But uh, this morning, I want to talk about loving like a mother. Loving people like a mother. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 8, it says... he. He's given a whole bunch of instructions here for things He wants them to do. And then in verse 8, He says, "...and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins." Okay? Well, what does that mean exactly? Because there's a few verses in the Bible, we're going to look at them, where it talks about covering a multitude of sins. And when you look at that, you can almost think, okay, so does that mean if I love somebody, if I'm doing good, that will cover a multitude of my sins? You know, does that mean I'm not accountable uh, for those things? Is that what that's talking about? And I don't believe that's what it is. So keep that in mind. Uh, it says, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We've been commanded to have fervent charity. And it's talking about in the church, okay? You all need to be charitable one towards another. And then charity basically it means to love one another, okay? And whenever the Bible uses charity, talking about love, it's more than just a feeling, but it's talking about the actual, you know, work of love. You know, doing charitable things for people. You know, doing things for others. You know, caring for people. Meeting needs, and the Bible says to have fervent charity. I mean, we ought to be fervent and are loving towards each other. I mean, we ought to do our best to make sure that people in the church know that we love them, and that is we are commanded by that in scriptures. And it says that fervent charity it will cover the multitude of sins. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, let's look at another passage. Uh, go to Proverbs chapter ten. In verse 12. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. And we'll find out what that means and what it's talking about with covering the multitude of sins. It says in verse 12, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Okay, so we kind of see something similar there. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covereth or covers all covereth all sins. Okay, so what does that mean exactly? I believe what it means is the key to overlooking people's faults is by loving them. It's not saying if you love, you're going to cover a multitude of your sins, but when you love other people, that love, that charity, it will cause you to overlook people's problems. It will cause you to overlook the things maybe that people have done to you. And we're going to look at another passage in a little bit that I think helps support this. But I believe that's what it's talking about. That love, it will, it will cover that up. You won't care. You'll, you'll overlook those things. In the Bible. And it says there, hatred stirreth up strife. And you know how much fighting sometimes goes on in church today? And what do we usually fight about? 
well, we don't like this about that person. You know, we don't, I don't like, I don't like the way they sing. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like how they do things. And then we try to say that we're loving Christians. And then there's all this fighting and strife going on. And the truth is, if you loved those people, you'd overlook it. If you had loved those people, you'd say, you know, yeah, okay, fine, they got problems, but you know, I don't really care. You love them. And the reason I want to talk about loving like a mother today is because who does that better than a mother? Who does that better than a mother? I mean, I'm telling you, you can. I've seen it before where there will be a man about to be executed. A murder about to be executed. And you know the news people, they're all against the death penalty and stuff. And they want to make sure they get all the people against the death penalty. So who do they always interview? They don't go interview the victim's families. They interview his mother if she's still around. And boy, that mother, she'll talk about that murder like he's just the, oh, he's such a good boy. You know, I, he, you know, he didn't mean it. You know, I wish they'd just have mercy. Oh, if the governor would just give the phone call. You know, please, I love my son. Don't kill my son. It's like, man, your son's a murderer. But she loves him so much, she doesn't care. Because love covereth all sins. That love, fervent charity, it will cover a multitude of sins. And if we can't overlook things in people's lives today, it's because we don't love them. And I believe we need to have that love for a mother. And see, and really, what causes that love? You know, how, why are mothers able to be that way? You know, with their children, what makes is it something that's just instinctively in them, or is there more to it than that? And I personally believe, you know, I think it is instinctive to a certain point. But I do believe there's more to it because one thing that we see in the Bible is one of the ways that we love people. Okay? And especially when it uses that word charity, you know, we love people by doing things for them. And no one does more for an individual than a mother. And there, I mean, nobody does more. And you know, what are some things that mothers do that we can compare to what we do for others? I think there are some things that we see in the Bible that we're supposed to do. And when we do these things, you'll see that it, just, it only helps you love people more. And it's the very things that mothers do. And I think the reason that moms just never stop loving their kids, moms never stop thinking you know, their kids are wonderful angels no matter what they do. And I think if we had this attitude, I think Christians would get along much better and I think, and I think we'd be a lot more obedient because we are supposed, we're supposed to love. It said, "Have fervent charity," talking about in the church among yourselves. And so, first off, it's the mother that does all the work in bringing a child into the world. All right. Now, let's just be honest. I know there's got to be a man, but I don't want to get crude or anything. But you know, our part's pretty easy. It's the women that have to carry the baby for nine months, isn't it? I mean, they carry for nine months. And then they go into the intense labor, and it's them that have to do that. Okay, and I know some guys, you know, it's well, it's harder for the person watching someone in pain than it is for the person in pain. You know, yeah, you know, don't ever try that one on your wife. <laughs> that won't that that won't work one bit. And the truth is, I mean, they're the ones that go through all that they go through. The, us men, we can't even imagine. They go through all that to bring that child into the world. And when you go through that kind of labor to produce something, to accomplish something, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to care about it. You know, the things that we do, you know, maybe for a guy, a way to compare it, you know, maybe, 
something that you've built. Okay, you know, you think about all the work and the sweat and the labor you put into that. You know, you don't want to see it tore down. You know, you don't want to see something happen to it. Maybe it was a car that you restored, and man, you know, maybe the thing starts falling apart and doesn't run anymore. But you just can't bring yourself to send it to the junkyard because you put a lot of work into that thing, and it's important to you because of that labor. You know, I think about some of the junk that I have stored, you know, in my house. I think about, you know, I've got my just my collection of baseball cards that I have, and I've got some of these baseball cards that really aren't worth hardly anything. But I can't part with them. I just can't do it because when I was younger, man, I worked hard to get some of those things. You know, I didn't make a lot of money when I was a kid. Kids don't make a lot of money, but I would save up so I can go spend my money on baseball cards. I, I know that's foolish, but man, they were important to me then. And I remember there were certain ones that were very rare, that were hard to get, and I got them. And I'm telling you right now, you're not getting them from me. I've got all three of Ryan Sandberg's rookie cards. And I know none of you care about that one bit. But let me tell you, that was important to me. And I know they're not worth that much money, but you're not getting them from me. I, I put too much into getting those things. It took me a long time. And I finally found a place where I could get them and they, they didn't cost an arm and a leg. And they're important to me. Why? Because of the work that went into it. And you know, as Christians, we ought to be putting work into other Christians. And when you do that, you're going to, you are going to love them. Go to James chapter 5 and verse 19. We're going to see this uh, phrase again. And this is the one where I kind of had, you know, I think my thinking on this was a little wrong. But it says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, I used to think, well, that's because if you lead somebody to Christ, there's a whole bunch of sins that they won't commit that they would have committed. Or, you know, maybe you've hit them because after they get saved, they've got a multitude of sins that have just now gone under the blood, under the blood of Christ. And maybe you could apply it that way. But, based on these other verses that clearly I think are talking about something else, I believe when we take this verse here, it, what it's telling us is when you win somebody to Christ, it's going to hide. It's going to hide a multitude of sins. It's going to cover a multitude of sins. Some of the people that you win to Christ, especially if they get saved later in life, a lot of times they got a lot of baggage, don't they? But, let me, but when it's somebody that you brought to Christ, when it's somebody that you witnessed to when it's somebody that you worked on, when it's somebody that you prayed for and you led to the Lord, those people are precious to you. Those people right there, you're going to love those people and you know what? You don't care what they did in the past. I mean, there's listen, there's some churches, they, you know, they, they struggle looking down their noses at people and being a little, you know, all holier than thou and everything. But, you know, I'm telling you right now, you know, we, some of us, we wouldn't like it maybe. If certain people came into this church that had a, a really bad past, maybe did some things that we're really uncomfortable with, things that we don't like. But I'm telling you right now, if one of you went out and found somebody like that, you witnessed to them and you won them to Christ, you wouldn't care about what they did in the past. There's just something special about those people that you won that you won to Christ. And just like it's a mother that brings, you know, that does all the work to bring that child in the world, when you bring someone into the kingdom of God, they are going to be important to you. 
I mean, you, I, I've seen it before where maybe it's somebody they went and they won somebody, they got them into church, they visited church, and then uh, I remember one time in particular that somebody came to church and I remember they'd, they'd gotten these people to visit and they were all excited, they'd been working on them. And I remember Dad, he preached a real hard message that day, you know. And I remember, you know, and he was, I remember that guy, he's like, oh man, I was just, I was panicking the whole time. I'm thinking they're going to get offended, you know, they're never going to want to come back again. And, you know, and they didn't get offended or anything. But why was he so worried about them? Why was he so worried about them getting hurt or offended? Because he'd put a lot of work into getting them into church. And I tried to think about that too, because, you know, I mean, I, I like to tell it how it is, but, you know, not, most people aren't used to that. And I know that if there was somebody that you worked on and you got them into church, boy, you know, you're nervous. Boy, I hope the pastor preaches a good message today. <laughs> I hope he's not too mean today. You know, this person, they struggle with that sin. I hope he doesn't hit on that sin today. I mean, you've probably been there before. Why, why do you care so much? You know, are you saying that all those things they do are okay? No, but you're, you're overlooking it because you just love those people. You've been putting some work into them. You've been trying your best to get them to come to come to Christ, or maybe you got them to come to Christ, and you don't want anything to happen to them. But boy, some of us we just don't care. I mean, we love it. You know, there are some preachers out there. It's like it's their goal to offend people when they come to church. I mean, they're just they're mean on purpose. I mean, they just preach on everything that they possibly can. And it's like you know, somebody is not going to come walking in off the street lost. And just all of a sudden, you know, or maybe just get saved and then all of a sudden know how they're supposed to look and dress and talk. They don't know all that stuff. It takes time. They got to learn, but it's like, oh man, you know, preachers, we, you know, we love just stepping on people's toes, you know, and getting them squirming in their seats. And, oh, I can tell, man, they got all kinds of problems. I'm going to get them today. And, you know, the preachers sometimes, they don't care because they haven't put the work into them. And you know, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of preachers out there that I like and I respect, but I'm scared to have them come preach in my church because you know what? They don't, they don't love you like I do. They haven't put any work into anybody. And you know what? Some of them, they like, they'll brag about how they'll get people walking out of their services and stuff. That's like, you're not, you're not doing that in my church. You're not going to go and offend all my people. You know, I was like, I've, I'm, you know, I'm trying. I've been loving these people for a long time, trying to teach them some things, and I'm not going to let some guy come in here and blow in, blow up, and blow out, as they say. Not going to happen. And some of them, they just don't care. And so you know, I don't invite them, and I'm not going to invite. I'll go listen to them preach somewhere else, and I'll watch them offend some other church full of people that I haven't put anything into. But when it comes to people that I care about, people that I love. That's fine. And I'll, you know, listen. I'll be the I'll, I'll be the first one to get up here and call you carnal and preach on your sins and you know and do whatever. But you know what? I'm not letting anybody else do it. Hey, I'll I'll talk bad about my church people all I want, but anybody else comes along, forget it. And y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, y'all you, you know y'all bashed your brothers and sisters growing up. Y'all said mean things to each other. But when somebody outside the family did it, it was another story. The fight was on, right? Why? Because you cared about them. You loved them even though you got ugly with them sometimes. And it's the same thing here. And the one that you go, I mean, if you convert them, okay, if you convert them from the area of His way, 
And you say, well, wait a minute. You know, Jesus is the one who saves. We don't do anything. But it says, He that converteth a sinner from the error of his ways. And even though it's Jesus that is the one that saves people, we do still have a part in it. And there is labor involved. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls. When you go and you tell somebody about Christ and they get saved, you won them to Christ. You led them to the Lord. That is a good thing. I know Jesus Christ saved them. I've had people before, you know, they're not used to all the terminology yet. They haven't got all the wording right, but I've had people before give testimonies and talk about when Brother Tommy saved me. And I know what they're saying, okay? You know, I was the one that showed them how to get saved, I was the one that led the Lord. And we all know I didn't save them, and they all know, you know, they just haven't learned the terminology yet, okay? But the Bible does say, you know, he that converteth. Okay? You got them to change their mind. You won them to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Paul said, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Paul right here saying, I saved them. Okay? And said, obviously we didn't pay the penalty on the cross. It's not our blood that saves them from their sins. It's not belief in us. But when you tell somebody about Christ and they get saved, you save them, folks. You save them from an eternity in hell. You gave them the truth that saved their life, or that saved their soul. And when you do that for someone, they're special to you. They are going to be special to you. You're going to love them. And I'm telling you right now, if we had two people in here, one person that I brought to the Lord, another person that your brother Renee brought to the Lord, he's going to care a lot more about that one that he brought than the one that I brought. It's just it's natural. Just like a mother cares more about her child than she does somebody else's child. When you did the work, there's a difference. And the Bible's told us that we need to have that fervent charity. And when you do, it covers a multitude of sins. That's how we're able to overlook people's faults. And there's so many people, oh, I don't want to go to church. I just can't stand all the hypocrites in the church. Well, you know what? If you love those people, if you were charitable towards those people, you could overlook a little bit of hypocrisy. I just can't stand that way that person sings. Well, you know what? You know how many people we go to recitals for our kids? And you know how many people come and sit through these hour-long recitals to hear some kid play some 20-second song that stinks? Okay, But, oh, you know those parents and grandparents? Oh, that's my grandkid. Why do they think that was good? It was terrible. Right? They think it was good because they love that child. Some other person will get up there and they'll play some fancy song that they don't know and they could care less about it. The last recital I was at, one of the last people that got up and performed played a really fancy song. And you know what I just kept thinking the whole time? Is this song going to end? It was a really long song. But it was a very impressive song. But I didn't know that person. I didn't care about that person. And when I was, I was complaining when we left, I can't believe they played the song that long. They took as long as like ten other kids. Like, that wasn't fair. <laughs> I guarantee you their family wasn't saying that. You know why? Because they love that person. You know, whoever had paid for their lessons, I guarantee you they enjoyed every minute of it. I guarantee you the teacher enjoyed hearing because they put the work into it. And you know what? They overlooked the fact that it was really long. 
But me, who has done absolutely nothing for that person, I don't even know their name, I was mad and just wanted them to get done. And when you do nothing for people in the church, you're going to have that attitude towards some things. But when you're charitable, when you're loving like God said, you will get past all that stuff. You won't even notice it. And so, and the mother, that work that goes into it with all that it took to bring that child into the world, she is, by after nine months and after that delivery, she's going to love that child. She is, she is going to love it. You know, we've talked about this before. We've all heard the switched at birth stories. You know, you've all heard those stories, and I've heard those. And you know, I'm always paranoid. Watch my kids real close after they're born, make sure there's no mix-ups. And uh, you know, so far I don't think that's happened. Uh, sometimes I wonder about some of our kids, but uh, but, but no. Um, but you know, you watch you watch for that. And one of the things, whenever we've heard some of these stories, you know, my wife like, what if we found out with one of our kids that they weren't ours? They got switched. And you know what I've always said without hesitation? I'd keep the ones that we have. Because you know what? Those are the kids that we've been with, with, that we've been raising, that we've been loving. They're the ones that you know, we changed all the diapers on and did all, the, you know, did all the work on. They are the ones that we love. And I'll tell you right now, if I found out that one of them weren't biologically mine and there was another one out there that was, my, that was I would choose to keep the ones that I have right now. Because they're the ones I put the time into. They're the ones I put the work into, and they are the ones I love. I might see if the folks would give me that one too, but I'm not getting rid of mine. I, I, they, they're mine, and they're not going anywhere. And so, when you bring somebody to Christ, that is a special thing, and it will cause you to overlook so much. And really, isn't that what Jesus does for us? He paid for our sin debt on the cross. And the Bible says His blood, it covers all our sins. Why is He able to do that? The work that He had to do so we could go to heaven. That right there. That love that He showed us. That He displayed for us. It causes Him to overlook our problems. Because I don't know if you all figured it out yet. We haven't hit perfection yet. We still have problems. We're still sinners. And yet Christ continues to love us. And I believe it's because of what He did to save us in the first place. With all that He had to do, He's not, he's not giving up on us. He's not going to cast us away. He's not going to do that. He loves us. And so also another reason I believe that the mother has that love for the children, it is, it's that she's usually the one that mainly does, that feeds and raises them. Titus chapter 2, verse 4 says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I know that's an offensive passage of Scripture I just read there today, but I want you to notice on that part that says, Keepers at home, okay? Now, I know today's... Alright, let's forget we live in today's society today. Let's pretend we live in a perfect world or a world where people believe the Bible, okay? And, in the biblical world, who is usually the keeper at home? It was the wife. It was the mother. You know, the guys... We're gone a lot, aren't we? We're out trying to make a living. Trying to make some money. And that, that mother, she's at home changing those kids' diapers. You know, that's That's disgusting. Okay, you know, just was that last Sunday? Lana, she just had one of her worst blowouts she's ever had. 
I mean, it was disgusting. And you know what? It's like, man, that's so dis- you know, when that happens, okay, and all mothers have experienced that before. When that happens, you don't take that baby that, and she didn't even care. Okay? She's disgusting and she doesn't even care. She's still smiling happy. She didn't tell us that she did that. We had to discover it. And you know what? We didn't take her and say, that's disgusting. She stinks. She's gross and she doesn't care and throw her out of the house. We, we didn't do that. You know, we, we had to take her into the bathroom and Sandra got to remove the clothes and all that part that I didn't want to touch and then I, I gave her the bath. And we cleaned her up. Why? We love her. We're not going to throw her out even though she's gross. And you know what? When you love, there's going to be people that are going to come in the church that have some serious issues. Like, are you serious? You still have this kind of problem? You're still struggling with this? You know, there's a lot of babes in Christ that spiritually are going to have incidents, like Lana's physical incident last week. And you know what? You you got to work with them. You got to deal with the smells spiritually. You got to you got to do the cleaning up. And it's not fun, but if you love people, if you have fervent charity, you will do that. You're not, we're not going to cast them out. We're not. Ah, oh, man, you just, you stink too bad. You're you're just you're a smelly Christian. Get out of here. No, we're supposed to work with them. We're supposed to be charitable towards them, and that and if and if we love them, we will not have a problem doing that. We didn't even discuss just throwing her out and giving her up after that. We didn't even discuss it. Just. You got to clean it up, and if we love people, we're going to do that. You know, and I've seen it where people in the church they get so bent out of shape at people, other people that maybe aren't what they should be, and it's like they just they want to get rid of them. I mean, you know, how can how can we get rid of these people? What can we do to run them off? What can we do to make them feel unwelcome? And you know, a lot of and, I, and you know, when I was studying this too, you know, when I was an assistant pastor, I used to think that a lot sometimes about some of our church the church people. You know, and my dad, it's like the church people could do no wrong. And I never really understood that, you know, until I became a pastor. It's like, you know, dad, why don't, you know, why don't we try to run these people off? They're troublemakers. You know, you know, why don't you preach this and, you know, that'll, that'll scare them off and, and get rid of them. You know, why, or why don't we just bring them before the church and throw them out? I mean, I thought that more than once about some folks. And there were some folks, too, when they left. I'll, I'll just be honest. I was like, Yes. <laughs> Where my dad was sad. And I'm like, why aren't you happy? <laughs> you know, these people are terrible. You know, they're a pain in the neck. You know, they, they cause problems. But you put a lot of work into them. A lot of prayer. And he loved those people. You know, now that I pastor, I, I understand that. You know, I don't want, I don't want to run you all off. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, there's just something about when you love people. And looking back, it's like, you know, maybe I should have done a little more to be loving. Maybe I should have been a little more charitable. And I would have felt the same way. But, boy, a lot of times we're, just, we're not obedient to that. And we need to do it. And then that mom, she does, she does the feeding. She does most of the raising of the children. And when you disciple someone, you're spiritually feeding them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul's talking here. And Paul... He just, I mean, if you read 1 Corinthians, I mean, he's, he's kind of mean to these folks. I mean, he calls them out for pretty much everything they were doing. He, uh, he was, you know, what we would call 
a mean preacher. And he says here in verse 1, And brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So you're all a bunch of babies. That's what he said. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither now are ye able. You're, you were babies when I was there, and you're still babies today. You can't even bear the truth. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You're acting like lost people. You're acting like babies. And Paul, though if you look in 1 Corinthians 16, at the end of this letter, after he's called them out for all kinds of terrible stuff, the Corinthian church was not a very good church. And in verse six, chapter 16, verse 24, he says, My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He didn't just say that to them because that's a nice thing to say at the end of a letter. He meant it. He loved those people. Why? He would probably won many of them to Christ. He'd prayed for them. He'd preached to them. He'd counseled with those people. And boy, they sure had some issues. And he let them know what they were. But he loved those people. And if you go and read 2 Corinthians, they straightened out. And they became a good church. And they did did something for God. But Paul, is with all the issues they had, he loved those people because he'd put the work into those people. If you and I would have visited the Corinthian church, we'd all walk out of there, man, that place is a joke. You know, God ought to just wipe that church out, let a tornado come and destroy it. I'm never going back to that place again. But the Apostle Paul had a different attitude because those that was a place where he had put some work. And he loved those people and he had charity. And you know what? While all parents know their kids aren't perfect, while something... They might have some serious issues. You don't go bashing somebody's kids to their mom, do you? You don't do that. I mean, you've seen it before. You can be somewhere and the kid can be just tearing the place apart. And you can go up to that mom. Hey, um, your child is kind of out of control. You need to do something. Man, the fight's on, isn't it? You, I mean, you don't bash their child, no matter how obvious it is, that they're bad. You just you don't do that. The parents they, they love their children because they they have they've done all the work. And you know what, dads, you got to be careful with that too because since it is the mom's doing most of the work, all right. You know that's why you usually get in trouble when you talk about you know their behavior and stuff because you know well if you were doing the work you wouldn't feel this way you know you're going to get that speech and uh, we've all heard that song before and you know so you, you know you got to be careful with that but Paul did for 16 chapters he did he just i mean he called these people out but then he ends it talking about his love for them and so just like it's natural you know it's it's natural for a woman to want to have children it should be natural for us as Christians to want to win souls that ought to be it ought to be a desire in every one of our hearts we should have. We should be spiritually like Hannah. You might remember Hannah, Samuel's mom. She was un, mom. She was unable to have children. I mean, and she did. She prayed earnestly for a child. Now, if you read First Samuel chapter one, we're not going to read through all of it. But you know, she's grieved in her heart because she can't have any children. And then her husband. Okay, you know, husbands are clueless sometimes. And her husband, who already has another wife that's having several children, he comes and comforts Hannah by telling her. Why are you sad? 
aren't I better than ten sons? <laughs> and uh, it didn't work. I mean, that, I mean, that's just a classic guy statement in the, in the Bible. There, I think I think that's funny, but it didn't help one bit. She was grieved. She wanted that child, and she prayed that the Lord would give her a child. And sure enough, God gave her a child. He gave her Samuel, didn't he? He gave her Samuel, and you know what? She she had promised God, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And she did. And after Samuel was weaned, she took him to Eli, and he served the Lord there in the temple. And she got to see him once a year. Just once a year. But she never forgot him. She never quit loving him. Every year when she'd go to see him, she'd make a coat for him. She wanted to do something for him. You know, I'll bet that coat she made was probably a nice one, one that had a lot of work into it. You know, this is for my son that I love. And, you know, I can't do all the things for him a mother does for him because I've given him to the Lord, but you know what? I can do this for him. And she made that coat with all the love that she possibly could have, and she would take that to him. I guarantee was thrilled to see him. But you know what? She wanted that child, and she asked that child, and God gave it to her. And I believe if you want a soul, if you want to win somebody to Christ, do like her, but pray for it. Ask God, Lord, give me the opportunity to win somebody to Christ. And honestly, the more you pray, the harder you try, or the harder it is sometimes, the more you care, the more excited you are when it happens. And you know what? After this happened, because the truth is, I mean, do you really think if you ask for souls, God's not going to want to answer that prayer? I mean, that's why He came to earth to seek and save. That's that which was lost. And you know what? If you keep continue reading in 1 Samuel chapter 20, it says, uh, it says, And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent unto the Lord. And they went into their house. And the Lord visited Hannah, so she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. God didn't give her just one child. God ended up giving her six children. Why? You know, it's a natural thing for a woman to want to have children. And it is completely natural for a Christian to want to win souls, to want to win somebody to Christ so we can have somebody that we can love and that we can disciple and that we can see grow in Christ and then one day see them maybe win someone else to Christ. That's thrilling. That's exciting. And you ought to want that with all your heart, and I believe if you ask for it, God will give it to you. I really believe He will. I believe He wants to. And that love, when you show that love for other people, it's going to hide a multitude of sins. You're going to overlook those things. You're going to be able to get past there. You know, hatred stirs up strife. You see fighting going on in the church? It's because of there's hatred going on. But if people are loving each other, if they're being charitable, okay, and to be charitable, okay, that I mean, you, you don't deserve charity. When you give somebody charity, it's not necessarily something they deserve, is it? But we're commanded to give that charity. When we love somebody, they, you know, the Bible doesn't just say love those that deserve it. In fact, God says opposite. You know, love those who don't. Bless them that curse you. That's what we've been commanded to do as Christians. And if we would actually do that, we're not going to have problems. Overlooking people's sins, we're not we're not going to struggle with that at all. We will be just fine. And if you've got a bad attitude towards the people in the church, it's because you don't have charity. You need to start doing something for them. You know, you're struggling with somebody. Go do something for those people. Maybe just start praying for them. You hate your neighbor. Why don't you start praying for your neighbor? 
Start witnessing to them. Maybe go bake them a pie or something. When you do something for somebody, they become special to you. They become important. And you are going to be able to overlook those things. And maybe that's why Jesus Christ is able to overlook all the junk that's in our lives. Look at what He did for us. After all that, He's not, he's not going to cast us out. He's not, going to, he's not going to throw us away. To him that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. Why would He cast somebody out that He paid the ultimate penalty for? Why would He do that? There's no way He would. And so let's do what we can for other people. Let's be charitable. Let's love. And if we will, all of a sudden, the stuff that's bothering you about people, it's going to go away. Because charity covers all things. So with that, let's